are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Greetings and welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast edition, powered by Conservative Review, CRTV. Steve is gone again today. He'll be back on Monday. My name's Aaron McIntyre. I'm his producer. And uh, we just got done wrapping up production on today's TV show for CRTV. It was a Dace Group Friday, of course, without Steve and uh, Chris Pandolfo from Conservative Review, along with our congressional correspondent at CRTV, Nate Madden, were on the roundtable today. We discussed what the Helsinki, uh, Trump's meeting with Putin this week in Helsinki, also discussed whether or not what... Ocasio-Cortez, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said on the firing line, or more or less just the way she went about it, if that could ever be successful mainstream politically in the United States, as well as Barack Obama's sentiments this week that um, there's no more transcendent, what was his word, objective objective truth. We got into all of that today on the TV show. Coming up in just a few minutes, I want to replay a conversation that Steve, Todd, myself, and Daniel Horowitz had. That'll be coming up again in just a few seconds. I want to remind you as well that uh, if you enjoy this podcast, something you could do to help us out and get the word out a little bit more is to leave a review. If you get this on iTunes, which the vast majority of y'all do, uh, you can leave a review, a couple sentences, Tell us or tell whoever's on iTunes looking at this podcast uh, just what you think about it. Of course, that's only if, you know, you actually like the podcast. That really helps us get the word out. And if you like this podcast and would like to have more of the Steve Day Show every day, you can subscribe to Conservative Review Television, CRTV, CRTV.com slash Dace. Promo code Dace gets you 10 bucks off an annual subscription. Really works out to about 25 cents a day or less on CRTV. Of course, just launched the new sports show with Kurt Schilling. Uh, got a few episodes of that up this week, talking all things all-star with a future Hall of Famer. You can have all of that. It's just one price, CRTV.com slash days. Well, one of the things that we did this week that I think stood out to me, at least, was the conversation we had typically with Daniel Horowitz on Wednesday. Steve had a few questions. He called it a political assessment test. It wasn't assessing our political, I don't know, goal bona fides, I guess you could say. It was more just asking what the forecast is for American politics. It was a good conversation, I thought. And I thought, what the heck? On a Friday, Steve's gone. Let's let you get on on that. This was originally on the television show, but we're releasing it to a wider audience here on Friday. Have a listen. All right, back here on CRTV and joining us for the roundtable portion of our program as he does every Wednesday, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, is here from Conservative Review. How are you, my friend? We're doing all right, Steve, and we still can't have nice things. We can. I see you are kind of uh, giving us a little outlaw. You're giving us like the Jewish version of the outlaw Josie Wales look there. I like it. <laughs> 
well, look, I got to protest this somehow. You know, this is the way w- w- wave of the future. We got to look like the Occupy Wall Street crowd. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's exactly what we need to do. So here's what we're going to do on our roundtable today, gentlemen. I have come up with five statements. I'm going to call this our, our political assessment test. It's a true or false political assessment test. I'm going to throw out five statements one at a time. I may or may not believe or agree with the statements themselves. That's not important. I think they are potential observations of where we are politically and or where we are headed. And each of you are going to tell me, do you think it's true or do you think it's false? You ready to go? I think so. All right, Daniel, you good? You good with that? We're good to go. All right, here's number one. Okay. The first statement in our true or false political assessment. James Comey is not a sanctimonious, totally not self-aware swamp thing after all. Rather, he's a stone-cold pimp getting Democrats to buy his book and promote his legacy, even though he's arguably the biggest reason Democrats lost the last election. Daniel, is that true or is that false? That's absolutely true. Um, I used to think like you. I thought he was the John Roberts version of the FBI. We're really (laughs) – you know, you start off with good good intentions – and in your attempt to to so overly avoid being political, you act more political than an, anyone else. But mm-hmm. then I realized there's an old French adage that the crap rises to the top in this business. And if you really look at it, the the virtuous people, even the sanctimoniously virtuous people, are the exception rather than the rule. If you look at most top leaders in government, this is who you have, a bunch of self-promoting pimps. And that's why they have risen to the top. Todd, true or false? It's false. He may be self-promoting and a pimp, but I'm taking the literacy, the literalness of your language. He's not stone cold. No, I refuse. That's a violation of the dude code, um, (laughs) which we discussed yesterday. And I think we see yesterday's podcast. I think we all know it. If you'll recall, I've taught even before uh, Comey Gate and Hillary. I I taught when he came up. He he was he loved the camera. He loved you. You think of the FBI guys who speak in monotone and they're spooks and they just go and they do their duty. But then he had this smile on his face. He he liked this way too much, um, and there was nothing stone cold about it. He he liked the theater aspect of things. So I just I I'm sorry if you had not included stone cold, I would have taken this. But I that's cannot. your objection is. But the but the general premise of it you think is true. You just aren't willing to go as far but as I'll, the statement goes. Well, also listen in terms of self promotion though. I mean, why are we didn't. Has anybody else seen this whole thing? Like, Kylie Jenner is about to be the quickest millionaire in history. Billionaire. Billionaire, Billionaire. excuse me. Beating Mark Zuckerberg. You know, the standard for... It's a pretty low bar, Steve, okay, for self-promotion and what you can reap from that. So I'm not even going to give him credit for that, man. I mean, Kylie Jenner has scoreboard on you, dude. Aaron, true or false, this statement? I'm going to say I protest the wording or the premise of this question, um, but I, o- overall, this is true. I would just say it's a false choice between um, just the uh, pimp, you know, like you put it there, and not sanctimonious. I think it can be both. I think both of those things. He is a sanctimonious swamp creature, and he's a stone-cold pimp at the same time. Yeah, this one I came up with last night. Watching the left's reaction to Comey sanctimoniously going to Twitter to say that the Republicans have turned on America's founding ideals and everybody must vote Democrat this fall in order to save the republic or something, right? Something along those lines. And I I watched lefty Twitter 
I, I mean, wet themselves. I mean, I mean, folk. I mean, literally, whatever, whatever you, whatever is, is the the prophylactic version, the Twitter version of a prophylactic. They were going to need a lot of those, and in rainbow colors, of course, on Lefty Twitter. I mean, they they were orgasmic watching Comey, and I and I watched this, and I literally was I was watching America's Got Talent because. Uh, DirecTV lets you still do picture in picture with like their newest DVR boxes. So I had like the All Star game on one half and America's Got Talent on the other. And I was on, and I was following, uh, I was on Twitter at the same time. And I burst out laughing in the middle of our family watching these two programs because I, I just, I could not believe lefty Twitter thought this guy was a hero. All they did, and, and, and they, how many of the books, how many books have they sold him? And he is the biggest reason she's not president, and, and they she's the biggest reason Trump's stacking the court with literally Hitler right now. She's the, he's the biggest reason why. You know, maybe we've read this guy wrong. Maybe he's not deep thoughts by Jack Handy. Maybe we should have assumed that if you rise to that level of the swamp, that you know behind the uh, the the probing Instagram posts. Where you stare contemptively uh, into the wilderness, pondering into your lint. Yes. Into a cornfield. Yes. Uh, behind that is the quintessential just mercenary pimp. Pimp. Throwing people under the bus. Crystal knocking them at night since that's our new historical. You know, I love, I love it when the, you can always tell when lefty Twitter goes starts googling stuff and like historical <laughs> events that they've never heard of get, get, are like in all their tweets <laughs> it's like they've okay we've already done we've already ran reichstag we referred to auschwitz i mean what's it's like they're googling nazi references crystal knot yeah we'll go with that one plus it's got multiple syllables that sound smart right and it's german so it really it seems even like they're really turning the screws <laughs> yeah, on them. yes all right <laughs> statement statement number two all right the Trump White House runs largely independent of Trump himself. For example, the administration's actual policies frequently don't line up with the president's rhetoric for better or for worse. Daniel, is that true or is that false? All right. So that's probably the truest of anything you're going to say today, although I don't know what's coming next, because look, for better and for worse, for worse it's true with um, immigration. You know, he says our stuff. You know, these guys are bringing in drugs and gangs and everything. And then Secretary Nielsen from DHS continues his stuff. This week, you see the opposite. You see in rhetoric what he has done to me is just as bad as what Obama has done. The reason why some of us haven't totally slaughtered him, although we rig- rigorously oppose him, is because, you know, you got Bolton, you got Pompeo in there, and at the end of the day, he's he's uh, upheld the promises to Eastern European countries. Um, he has totally vitiated the Iran deal. Uh, he's the one who wants to ramp up natural gas exports to Europe while Europe is going and selling themselves out to Putin. So, I mean, his rhetoric, he's actually... You know, I can't find where he's giving Putin anything, although mm-hmm. I do think he could be doing a lot more. You mean in terms of um, sub- policy is what you meant? Policy, he gave, but, he gave per- Putin quite a bit, if you know what I'm saying, <laughs> earlier this week. But we're talking about policy, not, uh, shall we say, performance. No, but I mean, I, I think the problem is in this case, in the case of diplomacy, you know, rhetoric is somewhat policy. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the problem. I wish his rhetoric on immigration would, would be policy, and sometimes it is. I mean, I think you saw this. Uh, any border patrol agent will tell you tell you this that they saw a massive decline 
in border crossings from the moment moment he was elected until about four to six months into the presidency when they realized, oh, this guy talks about uh, DACA and amnesty and he's no different from the rest of them. Obama was um, actually deporting more people. No, exactly. So, I mean, I, I think I think there are times it could actually matter. And where it really matters, of course, is electorally, because I think unlike the other contrived outrages that the flyover America doesn't care about, nobody wants to be weak against our enemies. You know, this is what we usually hit the other side on. So this mm-hmm. is just like self-immolating. And, and you're seeing it in the polling. You're seeing it in all these house races. Well, and, you know, you go back to the speech he gave in Riyadh last year, which I still believe is the best foreign policy speech an American has, president has given post 9-11. And then like a week later, the Saudis lean on Qatar and their ties to Al Jazeera and in comes Secretary of State uh, Rex Tillerson to essentially belay Trump's state speech and his foreign policy and do his own thing. I mean, we have we have seen this routinely, but Todd, do you think this statement is true or false? Well, that they work independently of each other, I think that's true. But I think that by definition means that we rarely have actual policies then. If it's like a basketball team, we, at, at best we have like multiple players that are just doing their own thing. There's not a system. And at worst, you've got that team where you the, the guy's actually don't like each other and they're working across purposes just trying to one-up each other mm-hmm. while the other team is like well fine this is exactly how we're going to beat you so i don't even when it seems like like in the immigration sense like our our what our policy was about separating families and all that stuff i i it's clear that it's just there's more of a i mean a policy to me is something that it's it's put into place the machinery is there to uh conceive of all eventualities um it's it's more of a just we're just we're broadly we're just doing things and therefore when we get in trouble everybody's looking at each other and you got this or you got this i don't it'd be nice to have more policy as i think of it anyways aaron I think this is a metaphysical certitude. I agree with Daniel that this is about as true as I think anything will be on this list. And it is because when you're talking about somebody who is a, uh, a double-minded man like uh, President Trump, who we have made the mistake, uh, well, I shouldn't say mistake, people generally who try to get inside his head and try to understand him, it's a mistake because you'll never get anywhere. Um, it cannot help but run independently of somebody like that. It is. It has to run independently. Otherwise, uh, it, otherwise, it won't run at all. Statement number three in our true-false political assessment test. Contrary to conventional wisdom, the Republican Party will not be better off once Trump exits the national stage, but it will be worse, much worse off, in fact, Daniel, true or false? You know, I I would say false, Steve. I I don't I don't see how it's going to be any worse. <laughs> Nothing has changed. Um, the only thing that has changed is that Trump just exposes the fact that the Republican Party is like a quarter inch of drywall with nothing behind it. And I'm sorry, I meant the conservative movement. There is no movement, as Todd just mentioned. There are no policies. Um, we don't have an active agenda. We don't wake up every day and like, man, we're going to totally own this foreign in- influence of election narrative by ramming legislation to uh, on the floor to, to stop foreign citizens from voting in our elections. Voter fraud. Man, we're going to vitiate the New Star Treaty, the u- unilateral disarmament. We're going to get to um, all that right after we own CNN yeah, and NFL kneelers you know, again. 
exactly all this stuff. We don't have that movement and we never did. So Trump's going to Trump absent guidance of a movement and an establishment Republican will do establishment things, which are sometimes what Trump is doing, sometimes not what he's doing. Nothing is going to change. I think we've concluded the, the the source of this problem, and that's that there is no conservative movement. So, I mean, Trump could ride off into the sunset tomorrow. Forget about after five years, six years. He could, he could resign tomorrow. And Mike Pence, who I, I would say is universally liked by kind of, you know, I wouldn't say the hardcore Trump crowd, but a lot of pro-Trump and anti-Trump conservative thinkers, none of this would change. And in fact, I think, you know, we wouldn't even get the good rhetoric on some of the issues or even some of the good policies that we're getting. So, no, I don't think they're going to be worse off. Um, In fact, I would actually venture to say, and I know I write this in your book, Steve, coming out, we will have a better opportunity than we ever had. Why? Because the existence of Trump for four or eight years will move the left to such an extreme level that if we actually had a sane movement, we could crush them afterwards, except we don't. So we can't have nice things and they won't do anything with it. But I think the opportunity will actually get better. What do you think, Doc? Man, I was thinking along the same lines in terms of the opportunity uh, and why? Because of the left. But that's why I answer the opposite. That's why I think it's it's true that they will be a party that has been coasting on nothing but fumes and a lack of identity under Trump for potentially eight years, but still likely winning. I mean, it'll be just a whitewashed tomb, which it's it. So as as a party, and again, we're talking about policy. What I think of policy as a party, something that exists to to get things done, a, a machine. It'll be it'll just be winning by default it and and it won't be paying winning attention. for winning's sake yeah and it won't be paying attention to the things that will actually make it uh well any party a party it, it you you'll just stand there in the room and you'll be like i i'm i'm not crazy like those fools and still be handed wins with no real policy um so yes it, Again, I'm identifying a party as something that's there designed to do same things, not an ideology. I, I, I think it's going to be this utterly broken machine. So um, <laughs> it's weird. Daniel and I agree on the, the, the premise, but I'm just going to say that's why, as what you think of a party is supposed to be, it, the answer is true. Aaron? Yeah, I I generally agree with, with Todd. It is, I don't know, conservatives as it pertains to the Republican Party are kind of if I understand the meaning behind the play, well, we're in kind of waiting for Godot uh, mode, where we're the we're the two characters who are basically saying nothing to be done. We're just kind of we're just kind of here. Uh, we're just kind of occupying space at the at, at the present moment. And Todd is right. Uh, we're waiting for something, uh, but that something I don't think is ever going to come with the Republican Party. I think Todd nailed it because of what you said, Daniel. The answer to this question is true. And I'll go a step further in explaining why I think this statement is true. Trump set aside dumb things he said, like that one Mexican judge or grab him by the hoo-ha. Set, set the, 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 crudeness, the crudeness aside. 
as you said, Daniel, the, the messaging he has used on immigration, that's our messaging. He has, he has attacked rhetorically several shibboleths of the left. That the me, the in, insulated media is above reproach and criticism, for example. Uh, telling uh, Merkel, way I figured, Angela, you guys owe us about $100 million, okay? See, that sort of stuff, guys like you and I, Daniel, have been doing podcasts and writing columns telling Republicans that's a winning message for how many years, Daniel, have we done that stuff? Oh, yeah. Trump has come, and the consultants all told us, well, we don't disagree with you on principles. We disagree with you on strategy, and that won't work, and that won't win, and it will inflame the other side, and we can't do that, those things, because that's a losing message, right? Well, Trump went ahead and said, screw that noise. I'm going to do all that. And then I might get a, you know, layer it with nine layers of, you know, crap. All right, but underneath all that, you know, you dig through the feces, you find a few corns in it. And uh, within those nuggets, he's done a lot of the stuff and said a lot of the stuff we thought for years would win. Because one of the reasons guys like you and I, Daniel, thought this stuff would win is because while we see communists taking over the Democratic Party, we also recognize a lot of people that vote Democrat aren't communists. They just maybe favor more government than we do. But they also don't favor, I'd like my daughter to lose her spot on the track team to a dude. Okay, they don't favor that either. There's a lot of voters sitting in that in that nether region looking for someone to show they're not some nicer than God corporatist Brooks brother Republican who will who who as Mike Huckabee once said about Mitt Romney doesn't he just look like the guy that fired you from every job? That's what that that's what they were looking for. He provided it. The Republican Party is not going to learn this lesson because they don't want to. When Trump goes away, a lot of our base is going to say, "Well, why can't we do those things now?" You know, well, now now we've got kneelers in the NBA. Why don't we light them up? Right? Yeah. The precedent has been set. You can do, you can absolutely light the left on fire and just sit back and watch the world burn and, 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 take, and vote afterwards and win. The precedent has been set. The Republican Party's never going to do that, ever. When Trump goes away, their fig leaves of... Uh, we can't do... All, their, all the excuses are now gone. That's why the congressional ratings are in the toilet. Is because Trump owns all of the bloviating space. And so all these fakes like Trey Gowdy are like, dude, I might as well just retire. I can't lie. I can't just put out a viral video of me pulling Hillary Clinton's uh, dress pants down and just get reelected to Congress for another six years on that, even though we didn't do a damn thing on Benghazi afterwards. It's Mark Meadows today tweeting out, oh, they, this is another month and the DOJ won't respond to a congressional subpoena. Hey, dumbass, why don't you hold them in contempt? Why are you wasting my time? Trump has shown you can club people in broad daylight and win. When he goes away, the Republican Party will not learn from that lesson because it doesn't want to. And you're going to have millions of people in our base are going to say, uh, why are we back to surrender caucus mode? That never wins. I mean, that's the irony of Tommy Lahren. Tommy Lahren, when you strip away the, the dumbassery of, of not even her pro-choice position with the way she was explaining it, strip all that away. Her strategy is, why don't we be like more like McCain and Romney and run on jobs, jobs, jobs instead of cultural flashpoints? Did those guys win? No. No. Who won? The guy that ran on every cultural, uh, we're going to we're gonna uh, re- uh, repeal Roe, <laughs> right? We're going to repeal the Johnson Amendment. Tell them sons of bitches to stand up or get out of America. I mean, he ran on every, he made up cultural flashpoints to run on, just made them up and won. He was a cultural. He was, that's a great point. That yeah. was a great point. He, and he so, still is. So the base, is, the base recognizes now, yeah, we, we can do this. It's lit. Let's go. And when we go back to Brooks Brothers Republicanism, folks are going to be like, uh, 
That's a negatory. That's why I think things will get much worse because there's nobody. And there might be a couple people in this party who in their own way would, would take on some of those issues. They are in no position of prominence currently within the Republican Party, though, whatsoever. So a guy like Ted Cruz would do some of this in his own way. But the party system would ne- will never accept him, ever. And the rest of the and, and so this base of people, guys, is going to be like, I, I'm not going back to milk toast. That's that's to me the genesis of this statement. Yeah. But but isn't that a good thing, Steve? Well, I would. Yeah. Well, I didn't say we wouldn't be better off. I said things in the Republican Party <laughs> yeah, are going yeah, to get much much right. worse. That's I'm actually looking distinction. Yes. I, I'm I've got a calendar on my in, in my mind where I just x off <laughs> days until that might happen. All right. But I think things for the GOP would be worse. Yes. Number four. Let me be clear. I'm rooting for worse. Yes, yes, yes. Number four. Uh, Within 10 years, at the very least, lowering the age of consent for sexual relationships, especially of the same sex variety, will be mainstream, like in the platform of the Democratic Party. Daniel, true or false? True. Um there's no question. I thought you were going to go with polygamy, and I don't think that's cool for a number of reasons with them. But I think this is going to be the next frontier. Look, just this week, an illegal alien was arrested in Texas for um, doing stuff with a with a 15 year old, and he said, "Look, she's she's almost turning 16. She's going to be my wife." So, um, you know, since we take our cues from illegals, and that's like the real foreign interference going on. I think absolutely that will be the next uh, frontier. Um, maybe Malok. I mean, <laughs> I think we're just going to bring back everything in Leviticus. But that in particular, um, you know, with with social media roping in kids so young, this has become a huge constituency within the Democrat Party. Um, and sadly, if history is any indicator that will bring along the Republican Party as well. Todd? Uh, this is false because you said uh, 10 years instead of 10 weeks. Um, <laughs> move it up a little bit, buddy. I think you know that. Um, and also, it won't Every be... Every time I try to show a modicum of respect and restraint, one of you smacks me. And, Every time. Yeah, and it won't be uniform. What you said before about especially homosexual couples, how about like only? Only the pet causes. Right. Like if... if right, if, like, if, like, like 24-year-old Roy Moore allegedly yeah, that's the having, have, having moms yes. put their 15 and 16-year-old daughters in front of him for marriage will still be considered unseemly. Yeah. But if you're a 38-year-old teacher uh, having anal sex with your 16-year-old student or 15 year old student no. that who's of the same gender that will be considered like call me by my name right that'll be considered now you sexual exploration <laughs> he's he's mentoring him into his sexual identity this is what woke looks like that was a tour de force right there beautiful aaron do i even have to ask what you're of gonna course. say of course yeah horse a horse of course of yeah. course all right one final statement number five within five years Outright blanket bans of sanctioned campus groups loyal to any Christian moral orthodoxy. Like not, I mean, like outright, you can't even apply. You're banned. It's not that you have a difficult sanctioning process. You cannot apply. Will be the hottest trend in our colleges and universities. Daniel, true or false? Man, that see, that's tough. On the one hand, I was going to repeat what Todd said and said, no, that's going to happen in a year or two, not five years. Or that's going to happen within a couple of months. I mean, it's, th- there's already a trend. But I'll tell you something else, and I'm a little bit out of place to say this, 
But I don't know if there's enough potency in Christianity, Christianity in America to be regarded as such a force that they're going to reckon with it. That, mm. That's the real problem. I don't even know if they care that much. But to the extent they do, you're seeing it already with this Cortez, um, Bernie Sanders type of generation rising, whereas, you know, the old Dick Gephardt Democrats, as liberal as they were, they always talk the talk on Christianity. You're seeing openly um, not just this uh, bastardization of its tenets or, or right. this new age version that they're downright – you, you can't know, Christianity. You saw your buddy is, Russ yeah. Vote went through this last year. Yeah. Diane Fine or Diane Feinstein and uh, and uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett uh, earlier yeah. this year. They're, 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 it's now out in the open. You can't serve in public office if you take uh, biblical moral teaching seriously. You can't. You can't serve. And I, the reason I came up with these two time periods is I was thinking about this the other day. Ten years ago, I was doing. We were still doing local radio here in Des Moines, Todd, and. Ten years ago, in, on Election Day 2008, Barack Obama got about 61% of the popular vote, I think, in California in the presidential election. That same day, uh, Prop 8, defending marriage, received more votes statewide in California than any Republican, including Reagan when he was governor. Any Republican has ever received in the state of California statewide. Prop 8 got more votes that day. And so when you have Barack Obama getting 60-some-odd percent of the vote and marriage is, is winning statewide in California, do the math. What does that mean, guys? A whole lot of people that went and voted for Barack Obama for president and also did what while they were there? Vote to support marriage. They voted to support marriage. That was 10 years ago. You know, we were kind of joking like it doesn't even seem like we had a Supreme Court nominee and was just last week. Doesn't what I just say feel like it was like 40 years ago, like it happened before you were born? Yeah. And I mean, I was, I was in the middle of my career when that was going on. And look how much things have devolved just since then. I mean, if you, if you run on a platform openly of marriages between a man and a woman in California, I'm not kidding you. You run on that statewide, you better make sure you've got a really good security detail. And I'm not, that's not a joke. I'm not hyperbolic. I'm straight up saying you better make sure. Better make sure your family's secure, that, that you have... You have real good security detail, and that's how things have changed in just 10 years. Yeah, well, I absolutely believe uh, that this is true because look how quickly after that. I remember you and others used to cite the statistic. How many, like, it's this, this is 31 for 31, or was yeah, it we won something 30, like that? Yeah, California was part of the streak where we yeah, won 31 but, marriage referendums in a row. 31 but, in a row. But progressivism, uh, because they uh, are are very, very serious about the, their jihad, went and attacked that instantly. And they were, okay, that needs to be defeated. And look how quickly that started turning around. And then the what happened here in Iowa, court shopping, things like that. I had a conversation yesterday with a, a, a we go way back to high school. He's a lib, um, um, but we uh, have stayed connected over time. Uh, we like each other. He, he lives in, uh, he goes all over the world uh, teaching, but he comes back. We always connect. And he referenced a Facebook conversation we had a while back and he brought it up because uh, uh, some uh, uh, a friend of his went hard after me, just like he goes after you. Know, all of us on uh, uh, Twitter, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, calling me names. You know, looked into my he considers my background and uh, saying this is not somebody worthy of discussion. And so my friend said afterwards, I had a conversation with 
his friend who was ripping on me and we were talking, Oh, this is my buddy. Come on. We, we go back. I mean, you, you gotta get, I want you to know that context to say he's worth talking. He said, no, you don't understand. He said, we cannot be friends with these kind of people. And, and he was, he said, I, oh, man, that's, I, that was instruct. That was the most instructive thing I took away from me. And I said, I could have told you that, man, I, I'm certain that these people believe that. And it's why I believe this to be absolutely True. They will offer no quarter, Steve. If you really believe our viewpoints are racist, homophobic, misogynistic, um, xenophobic, and you don't have any kind of divine framework in your ethos that says even even people who do and believe very bad things have an inherent value and worth, have something redeeming and, and, and recognizable about them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you put those two things together the lack of that divine ethos in your metric in your ethos and your firm belief that these viewpoints are can only be the viewpoints of racist misogynistic homophobic xenophobic bigots then your that other person's correct you can't be friends with such a person yes. you simply cannot what what would what, 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 where would where would the standing come from for you to accommodate a person that you believe is that devolved and and you at the same time don't believe they're made in the image of God so there's nothing there redeemable I have to recognize at any point anyway then you're just those things about you I don't you're like. the others yeah, you're, you're just, nothing else you're just, just those things they're just on the wrong side of survival of the fittest right at this point Aaron you think this is true or false this is definitely true and I'm surprised we haven't seen that uh, already because InterVarsity and other organizations like InterVarsity if you're familiar with them they've already been facing these issues for years back when I was in in college and uh, early in my career as well that was seemingly every single week that was the big news story during the school year it seemed like every week there's a new uh, report of some school somewhere putting the clamps down on Christian-based organizations or who can be the leaders. So I'm surprised this has not already taken place. And Daniel is correct in saying as well that the only reason why this wouldn't take place is because Christians are so non-consequential. Just to have one final point on Daniel's constructive criticism of Christianity there. George Barna tweeted out the other day, the worldview demographer that uh, I've cited uh, often, and I retweeted this. Did yep. you guys see this? Yeah. Yes, I did. George Barna tweeted out the other day that in 1993, that's about the time he started doing his worldview studies, something like 93% of American Christians recognized the Great Commission from Jesus to go into all the world, making disciples, preaching the gospel. Uh, and today, it's like 45%, 46%. So that that's data that goes to the point Daniel was making. Daniel, good to see you, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Take care. And that will do it for this Friday, special Friday broadcast or podcast of the Steve Dace Show. Hope you enjoyed that. Again, that originally aired on the TV show earlier this week, our conversation with Daniel Horowitz. Steve will be back on Monday with more hard-hitting other programming, otherwise known as the Steve Dace Show. Until then, John 317. Steve Dace. I like it, you.